For those of you who have been coming this month, you know we're working in a four-part series called Back to Basics. Actually, a good way to catch you up is actually by moving forward. Let me read the very beginning of this last chapter of the Introduction to the Science of Mind textbook. This is by our founder, uh, Ernest Holmes, and here's how he begins this last chapter of the Introduction. He says, One of the great difficulties in the new order of thought is that we are likely to indulge too much in theory and too little in practice. As a matter of fact, we only know as much as we can prove by our own actual demonstration. That which we cannot prove may or may not be true, but that which we can true, which we can prove certainly must be and is the truth for us. And so, so far this month, you might say we've been engaging in theory. We talked about the, the grandness and the greatness of God, but how many of us get to experience all of that grandness and greatness? Some, but not all. And the week after that, we talked about us and our infinite capacity to align ourselves with that power and with that presence. And, and we talked about some of the, the great masters on the planet, like Jesus and the Buddha, but but what I know is a lot of us may not be destined to have that close of a relationship. It might just be a theory. So today is where the rubber meets the road. Is that how you say that? Today we're going to leave behind the theory and really talk about what we can do in our own lives. And, and of course, it started last week because we talked how we approach God is through our thoughts. You know, the, if God is all wise, if God is all powerful, then certainly God is there tuning in to whatever's going on in our heads. And that, if you will, is the secret of co-creating with God itself. It's through our thoughts. It's through our thoughts and when we have those in alignment with what we choose to experience in the world. If you think about it, it's when our, our thoughts are in alignment with our, our desires and, and even our emotions come into play. When in that sense of alignment to where that even our actions are beginning to take on the vision, if you will, of where we want to go, what we want to experience in life, that is where all of that creativity comes into place. It is that law of attraction that we briefly talked about last week. It is that, that same seeking same. And when our hearts and our minds and our deeds and, and all of it are, are seeking out love or joy or, or something lofty, and, and really we know that that's for us and we embrace it oh my gosh the universe does everything necessary to make sure we get more of that thing to make sure that our hearts desires are made real for us in the world but it requires that level of alignment so today of course what I'm going to talk about is how do we how do we uh, seek and reach that level of alignment in our own life but before we do that a minor caveat that I want to talk about. Something, something minor, but I think it, th that it's important. And that is, do we really know what we want? Because my experience is that so often when people come to me, it's in a situation of, of avoidance and fear. So often when people come to me for counseling, it's because things aren't going very well and they're actually seeking relief from something. Do you know what I mean? There's that sense of the, the job just being unworkable, or there's the sense of the relationship that's on the rocks. There's that, that belief that whatever's going on in our world is unhealthy, and, and almost a sense of, fight, of, of fear or flight. 
Do you know what I mean? That sense of, ah, let me out of here. <laughs> you know, there's that old saying, if you don't like the heat, get out of the kitchen. And that, that's sort of what I think it feels like when we're in that place of pain, when things are going on in our lives that we just can't deal with. But do you see there's a problem inherent in this? If we dwell on what we don't want, if the only sense of real assuredness in our life is, oh my gosh, I don't want the job to be like that. Or if the only clarity in our lives is, I'm certainly clear on what a relationship shouldn't be like now. The trouble here is, it's that very same law of attraction, it's that very same creative force that's going to work on those beliefs and those ideas. And I have seen people in complete alignment with the negative side of actually what they don't want. And it's actually pretty common, I think, that idea of, well, with some great detail of what it is we don't want to experience, how we don't want to be, how we don't want to be treated. And it's those knots, it's those negatives floating around in our, in our head that are actually apt to bring us more of what we don't want. And in fact, I can illustrate this um, uh, with, with a friend of mine. Uh, so, so do some of you get those Christmas letters? You know, it comes in a Christmas card, and there's that copied letter that someone, you know, word processed or wrote out, and then they made 50 copies of it and sent it out with their Christmas cards. Well, I got one of those for a friend of mine, but, but let me back up just a little bit. So I knew this uh, friend in college. We went to college together, and we graduated within, uh, I think, a year of each other. But what I, what I remember is seeing her again in Portland. She moved up here even as I did from Eugene. And so we had a little habit of meeting for drinks on Friday afternoons after work. So we both got off at 5 o'clock, and, and we'd, we'd pick a different little place to have a cocktail. And of course, cocktails and me, there's another story, but we'll, we'll, leave, that, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that story for another time. Uh, but, uh, but, what I, but my vivid memory of this is they were kind of a bitch session. Do you know what I mean? We would, here it'd be Friday afternoons, and what did we mostly talk about? How crummy the week had been. And so I still have this picture of her sitting across the table from me in a, in a bar saying how crummy her boss was and how awful her job was and, and how she had very few friends. And, you know, why couldn't it be like the old days? And, and it was like her men troubles because all the men she could meet were either gay or rotten. And, you know, and, and it's just like, oh, and on. All right. Well, and in fact, I remember the reason we lost touch for a number of years is she finally decided she was just going to move. She said, the weather here is just so bad that I never get out to meet people and it's just horrible. All right. So now fast forward 10 years or more and here's a Christmas card out of nowhere. And so I'm reading through the Christmas card and guess what's in there? She's living in Central California and she hates her job. <laughs> She's having trouble with her husband. And the letter ends with her saying how horrible the weather is. <laughs> that, that it's just too hot for her to get out and meet new people and make friends. And I think to myself, oh my gosh. So clear about what she doesn't want to experience. And that may well dog her for the rest of her days. Do you know what I mean? 
I mean, she could move again. I could get another letter in another 10 years, and it might be, it might be a different place. It might be a different job. It might even be a different husband. But what is the common factor here? This is the part that hasn't changed. This is the part that hasn't changed. And isn't this the part that's the hardest to change? As hard as it sounds, we can pack up and move. We can quit and get another job. We got the ones we got now. Do you know what I mean? It's no trick. We know how to apply for a job. We know how to pack up the, the moving van. But how do we change this? Especially when everything in our heart tells you life is the way it is because it is. There's something about our lives that keeps giving us the message that what I'm getting now is what I've meant to have. And although this is insidious, and although I will tell you it's a lie, it's hard to undo that lie. Because at a very feeling level, most of us think that we're getting what we deserve. Most of us think that the way our life is right now, that there's an inertia to it that just keeps it moving along the same track. And, and though we may try to date someone who's a little bit different, though we may try a different kind of job, though we may try all of these things, there's something in our own thinking that keeps us stuck in a bit of a trap. And in fact, I've heard people one time in a counseling session, I, I was suggesting uh, the way a woman could uh, more embrace love in her life. And I, I was giving her some examples of kind of how to become love. And she looked at me and she said, well, it's impossible. <laughs> and she meant it. She really had this feeling in her heart that she was unlovable, that she'd been unlovable all of her life. And to her, in that moment, I might as well said, just fly. Do you know what I mean? It seemed just about as impossible to be love and understand true love as it would have to fly. So what we're really talking about today is how do we turn something that sometimes seems like an impossibility, how can we change our thinking that may be in a rut, that may be oriented towards a lack or a fear, or an understanding of not being good enough. How can we take that, and even in its feeling of impossibility, change it around? Well, let's start with a joke. <laughs> Gotta break the tension here. All right. So in a school day filled with material about the ocean, a little girl spoke to her teacher about whales. The teacher said, it's physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it is very large, its throat is actually very small. The little girl said, well, how can that be? Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Well, the agnostic teacher um, reiterated that a whale could not swallow a human. It's physically impossible, she said, but undaunted, the little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I guess I'll just ask Jonah. To this, the teacher said, well, if, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? The little girl smiled and replied, then you ask him. <laughs> so how, how can we, right, in the face of all evidence, in the face of all evidence, this little girl was not going to go there. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes we have to have that own level of faith, even in changing our own mind, even in our own ability to have a different outcome 
we may have to look at something that on the surface seems impossible, something that seems like we've never been there before, in order to affirm and know for us that there is the good life, that there is the strong, loving relationship, that there is the the fantastic job and the the beautiful way of being, that there is peace and that, that our children are loving and growing up well provided for. There has to be that ability in us for shifting our thoughts. Well, in your program today, I've given you a little cheat sheet and uh, we don't need to work through it today. But what I did was I actually listed the tools and spiritual practices that we teach here at the center. And all of these, believe it or not, all of these are designed for one purpose. It's to help you change your mind. They are all designed in one way or another to do the very simple and yet sometimes the very elusive thing of being able to honestly hold in your heart and in your mind, in your actions and in your deeds, an alignment of what you choose to experience rather than what other people are telling you, rather than what the media is telling you, rather than your own experience from the past. All of that rotten stuff from the past, no matter where it came from, these tools can help you put it aside and embrace something new. Now the master teacher Jesus in Mark 11 said, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have already received it and it is yours. And here's where I want to start. One of the tools that we use most frequently here in the Science of Mind is simply affirmative prayer. And the affirmative prayers that we do are not beseeching prayers. They're not emphasizing what we don't have. We don't get down on our knees and and beg as miserable sinners because what does that do? That emphasizes that we're miserable sinners. It emphasizes what we don't want to have. Instead, our affirmative prayers are very straightforward, very loving, very affirmative They simply acknowledge with God that we are powerful, that we are loving, that we're connected to God, and then we claim our good. In a way, they're no more complicated than a simple affirmation. And in the very center of an affirmative prayer is an affirmation. It might be something as simple as, I know that God's love is mine, and that all of my relationships are loving even as I am love. If it was about abundance or money issues, it might be as simple as saying, the universe is infinite, God is present everywhere, and that means in my life, that same infinity of the universe, I have access to. It is in my life. And what we are doing through these prayers is a shifting It's in allowing the old ways of thinking of lack of limitation, the old ways of of maybe feeling unworthy or unloved, it's allowing those to gently fade into the background while we affirm something more powerful, more true, more along the lines of what we want to experience. The other spiritual tool that I want to really focus in on today is no more difficult than sitting in the silence because it is meditation. One of the things that meditation has allowed me to do is to really understand what's important in my life. You know, we talk about praying for things, and mostly what I pray about, they're not things anymore. 
Because what I have learned, much as I have learned from, from my friend that moved to Central California, is jobs come and go. Cities come and go. Even the people that are important to me, sadly, have a way of coming and going. And I am there still. And it is what's in here ultimately that makes me happy it is what is in here that ultimately allows me to feel in peace it is what is in here that that the joy comes forth that the love comes forth that, that that the goodness of life comes forth it is my personal interpretation of what's going on out there and the scenes may change the the players will change But if I am content here, if I know myself, if I have an understanding of what happiness is to me, then when the outsides change, it really doesn't matter that much. And so what I have discovered about myself and my my suggestion would be when you ask for clarity around what kind of a life you do want to lead, it's how do you want to feel about it? it. It's what does happiness really mean to you? Is happiness really a new car? I mean, it may be a tiny part to it. Is happiness really a better apartment or a new boyfriend? It may help set things up a little bit, but ultimately, no. Ultimately, the car grows old and so does the boyfriend. (laughs) It's true. Ultimately, we're left here with ourselves. And when we are proud of ourselves, when we are representing love to ourselves, when we understand what motivates us, what makes us happy, what brings joy into our life, when we understand those feelings and how to recreate them in our own lives, then to heck with the outside of things, because we can be in charge. Now, I've given you a list, I think, of powerful tools today. And, 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 and again, it's my pitch for taking classes. It's my pitch for working with a practitioner. Certainly, just from this list, you can look through them. But Ernest Holmes this week is asking us to put aside the theory and start working on things. So what I'm really calling for each one of us to do this week is to take a commitment to look at our spiritual practice, to look at how we might begin changing our own thoughts into something that are more wholesome, more loving, more joyous, whatever seems the most important to us. Just almost pick a place in your life where you'd like to see some movement and growth and begin to work on that through spiritual practice, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through affirmations, whether it's through visioning. Uh, you know, the, the list is there. I know that the, that the licensed practitioners here and Sh- Reverend Sharon and I would be more than willing to help you with anything. So if something on that list sounds really cool and you'd like to give it a try and you're kind of like, mm, how do I start visioning or whatever, we are here for you. But what I would like if you're up for it, is a promise that you'll try out some of these tools. What I know is just coming here on Sunday, if all you ever did here was just come on Sunday, your lives will get better. They kind of have to because the combination of the message and the music and the, the sort of fellowship will lift your lives up and it usually lasts for more than just the hour you're here. And so I do know that if all you do is just come on Sunday, your lives will get better. But oh my gosh, if you develop a rich spiritual practice, your lives will go from being incrementally better 
to like a revolution of better. The closer we get to God, the more powerfully we use these spiritual tools. It's as though night and day happens to a person's life. And so, are, are we up for this? Would we be willing to make a commitment this week just even to add 15 minutes of meditation into our lives or, or to, before you retire for the evening, uh, maybe do a bit of journaling and a gratitude journal about some of the things that were strikingly sweet that day to, to emphasize in your own mind how powerful and sweet um, the world is. Are we game for this? Let's show of hands. Who here is will? All right, thank you. Thank you. I think this, as Sharon says every week, could change your lives. I know it has changed mine. I'm looking around the room and I'm already seeing at least a dozen or more people that I know whose lives have personally been transformed amazingly through this teaching. And as we close out back to basics this week, I would like us all to feel some ownership around our lives, to know we can make a difference in our own lives and the world, that we at least have the understanding that the tools exist and that we're going to go for it. So I'm going to close today with a prayer, of course, but I'm also going to close from uh, how Ernest Holmes ends this introduction to the science of mind. Here's what he says. He says, A new light is coming into this world. We're on the borderland of a new experience. The veil between spirit and matter is very thin. The invisible passes into visibility through our faith and our thought about it. This is in line with the evolution of the great presence itself, and nothing, nothing can hinder its progress. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. That thing that I call God is everywhere. It's all-powerful. It's all-knowing. And it also means me. It means that there is a spark of the divine in me and in each person in this room, each person on the planet has that capability of creating for them both a personal life of great joy, of great beauty, of great love, of great understanding and abundance. But also, as we do that as individuals, we lift up the world. And so for this week, as each one of us has made a commitment to increasing their spiritual practice, their understanding of themselves and God just a little bit more, I know that we are on a path of spiritual revolution, that the universe sings on high, that, uh, that God itself is here to support each one of us individually and collectively as we realize more of our good, as we embrace more love, as we understand more joy, as we have clarity around peace and harmony, that God simply smiles and says, yes, and yes. I'm grateful for this. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much.